Hello, and welcome to Sound and Image Lab, the Dolby Institute podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Kaiser. I usually introduce this podcast as a show about how artists use technology to tell their stories. Uh, but today you could say this episode is about how artists use their movies to win Oscars. Uh, this morning, the Academy Award nominations came out, and we are here to uh, get some first reactions and talk about what we learned this morning. We thought it'd be fun to have an impromptu conversation reacting to the nominees in some of our favorite categories, best sound and best cinematography. So I invited some friends to join us today for uh, a conversation to offer their honest gut reactions to the Oscar nominations. So joining us uh, this morning are pop culture writer for Screen Junkies, Lon Harris, uh, awards correspondent and nextbestpicture.com columnist, Will Mavity, and the senior artisans editor from Variety, Jazz Tanke. So who do they think should win? Who do they think will win? Who got snubbed? What were the big surprises this morning? Let's find out. Well, uh, thank you, Jazz, Will, and Lon for joining us on the Dolby Institute podcast today. It's an exciting day. I don't know about uh, you guys, but I, I was up this morning. I watched the I watched the live nominations. Um, I, I asked I asked you you all to join us on the podcast today to get your kind of first reactions and thoughts about the Academy Award nominations that just came out this morning. Um, I invited you all on the show because uh, I follow you all on Twitter. I, 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 I feel like, you know, you, you as the three of you are sharply perceptive about sound and cinematography, which are a couple of the categories that are very near and dear to our hearts at Dolby. And, and we're going to be doing uh, you know, our, our normal Oscar episodes and doing deep dives on those categories. So, but before we even, you know, kind of get into sound and cinematography, you know, it's just a, as we speak now, it's just a few hours after the nominations came out. And I just wanted to kind of open up and ask you guys, uh, you know, any, any, what's first responses, any big surprises for you this morning, any kind of moments that made you kind of gasp as you saw the list, uh, who, who wants to jump in and start? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll go first. Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Uh, I was really, I was happy to see that. I, I've been a big fan of her for a while. I enjoyed that movie. I, I, I get, I understand the, that not everybody loved that as a movie, but I thought her performance, I mean, so much of the movie was centered on her performance. I thought it was very strong. She was making a lot of very interesting choices. And I was really delighted to see uh, in terms of her getting an, an acting nomination. And also uh, Jesse Buckley for, for Lost Daughter. I was really happy to see her pull it. Another person I've been just a big fan of and, and been watching in a lot of stuff lately. And she had a great, you know, she's had a great couple of years. And uh, what a movie. I really like that movie too. So those two were really nice. In terms of snubs, I was disappointed that Denis Villeneuve got overlooked for Dune. I thought with all the nominations and the attention, he was sort of a, a, a shoe in there and uh, I didn't, there's a lot of anti-Belfast sentiment out there. Uh, I liked Belfast, but Bronna getting a nomination over Denis, that, that did not go down super easy. <laughs> I think it's, that's a great point. I, as, you know, as, as the nominations, as they were reading the nominations for director and it got down to that last slot, I thought, oh my gosh, it's either going to be Spielberg or Denis and somebody's going to. Yeah. So there's going to be, there's about to be a big upset. And I got to be, I mean, I got to be honest, like for a second, I thought it would probably go the other way. I, I was, I was a yeah, little surprised yeah. at that. That's yeah. what I was predicting. Yeah. 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 But I don't think anybody had not predicted Denis. Like that was the thing. Like I think most of us had him in our prediction. So I think to your point, Lon, that was probably one of the biggest 
surprises, one of the many of the morning, but um, or snubs, whichever way you want to point that. But one thing that I genuinely loved was seeing drive my car come in. I mean, there's all there's this whole discourse, so you know, on Twitter about films that run at like ninety minutes or longer, and I don't want to watch it. Drive my car is like two hours fifty nine minutes. And here it is with a Best Picture nomination, getting two other three nominations in total, and so that was a pleasant, uh, yeah, thing to to see this morning. Um, but to the hope, you know, to to Tracy Ellis Ross and Leslie, just what banter they had. It was like they need to host the Oscars because they're brilliant. Like she's like, you you stole my line and. They're naturally comedic together, so yeah, that was some. That was the the beginning part of the the morning that I I guess I loved to see. Weren't we supposed to be getting a host announcement today? I thought that was supposed to be part I, of the nominations. It, I don't know if they had officially announced that, but I think everybody sort of assumed this would be yeah. the natural time to yeah. be like, "And here's yeah. your host." Interesting, the Muppets. Oh, yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would watch the hell out of that. I would what totally great, watch that's, that. That's what it. Uh, that's what it should be. You but. just you just gave me an idea of the of the Oscars as hosted uh, by Waldorf and Statler. I think that would be. I, I would mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. I would definitely tune in for that. Sure, for sure. Just up the entertainment value. Get yeah. people watching. Yeah. So I uh, I second the the drive my car comment. I think what's particularly cool is that Janus Films, who was distributing that, didn't have the kind of campaign war chest that really any of the other studios in play had. And so that was a film that it was pretty unprecedented for it to be able to not only get into a smaller branch like the director's branch, but to successfully crack the best picture field with uh, a campaign that was almost entirely word of mouth and run by critics. Like that, that was unprecedented and I think shows that some of the Academy's attempts to bring in new voices have helped. And I think we saw that throughout a lot of the nominations this morning. You know, a lot of things weren't just based on the same old, same old that we got with each guild. You know, you mentioned Jesse Buckley. That was a big one. I love seeing Penelope Cruz get in, even without any of the precursors. Um, the worst person in the world in screenplay was a big shock for me, and I loved that. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought there were some really nice surprises across the board. Uh, Katrina Balfe missing for Judy Dench for Belfast that really shocked me. Yeah, I feel uh, I, I feel like well, one of the things you're kind of touching on there is that you know, obviously, and, and, and the backstory is that the the membership of the Academy has been dramatically increased in terms of numbers of, of members in the past few years as part of, uh, uh, you know, a, a diversity uh, push, a well-deserved, a, a well, a muchly needed diversity push on the part of the Academy. But I don't know what the, I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I think that the, just the number of, of Academy members has almost doubled in the past five yeah. years. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I sense, Will, that you were going with like, like that, that influx of new members is probably having a huge effect on some of these votes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the new members are international voters and we've started seeing that, you know, most ye- the last few years with Paolo Pawlikowski getting into best director along with Alfonso Cuaron, Thomas Vinterberg last year and Hamaguchi this year. It um I I haven't checked, but I imagine this is some kind of record for most non-English language films getting nominations in a single year outside of the international film category. So uh, I think that's really, really cool 
and opens the door for just generally much more exciting and interesting nominations across the board. I also think there's a, there is, I agree with everything you're saying. And I also think there's like a, a snowball effect, like when more of these films break through and start to get these big nominations, stuff like Cold War, Roma, Parasite, obviously having a huge year. I think that it, it makes it real. It's like, oh, we can vote for any international movies that we want. They actually have a chance. It's not like we're just throwing them up there as fodder to get taken out by the inevitable American winners. It's like, no, if you parasite might win, you know? So I, I, I feel like that also has a psychological effect and people are more willing to vote for interesting movies that, you know, maybe haven't had as big a breakout moment in the U S yet, because there's this realistic chance that they can really get through. To that, it's also Penelope Cruz getting in for parallel mothers, like, you know, a non-English speaking part and, it shows, it it reflects the audience, right? Like it's not that this new diversity uh, drive that the Academy has been doing, like you can really see that now in, as Will was saying, like in the nominations and we've been seeing it, but that was such a strong performance and she cracked through because, you know, Sony Pictures classics, they, re they really campaigned her. She was here when we were in lockdown for Omicron and, you know, not going anywhere, but, you know, people were out there Filling, you know, well, whatever, you know, going to the movie theaters to see her at a Q&A. And she worked that nomination. Um, but again, it's a, it's a reflection of the diversity of the Academy to see that drive my car and flee. Too. I was about to say, what a what an amazing morning Flea had. Three, you know, nominations for animated film, documentary, and international film. That's, that's pretty. That's pretty stunning. Yeah, I was terrified it was going to split votes and miss somewhere or, God forbid, everywhere. You know, like Waltz with Bashir uh, about 10 years ago missed out an animated film. So, yeah, to, to get all three is stunning and makes you wonder, honestly, uh, if it wasn't kind of close to the best picture 10, you know, in the top 15 or something, because that really suggests a lot of love across the board. Right, spread around. That's that's what's interesting about that is it wasn't just, you know, the animators who, you know, really like focused in on that. It's like it seems like it's got broad support, which was interesting. That that being that that being said, I am a little concerned now that it might split its own vote among those three categories. So it'll be interesting to see how this yeah. turns out, right? Yeah, well, with the docs, you know, usually there's uh the critic front runner has a, a tradition of missing you know the the roger ebert documentary the jane documentary the miss uh the mr rogers neighborhood documentary almost every year the film that wins the most critics groups for best documentary ends up getting snubbed apollo 11 you know it's so this year's summer of soul did not do that and it has pretty much cleaned house with the critics group so i think it's probably going to win the oscar now which yeah you know i'm sorry flea <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, yeah. sorry, it will be fun to be no. able to say Oscar winner Questlove. That's all. For sure. Right? <laughs> to hear yeah. his name. But I'm yeah. with you because the documentary branch is, like Will was saying, it's they're always interesting because you're like, okay, this is the front runner and this is going to win. I'm thinking Brett Morgan, Jane, right? When that was campaigning and it was hitting every single precursor winning every single critical one then come to nominate i think it got it missed out on nomination morning you're like wait where where's our disconnect here um but i think summer soul quite you know by quest love is or amir thompson um is it's a great movie probably gonna 
Oh, yeah. Run, oh, yeah. run away with I, it. And it's great. One of, one of my favorites of the year. And jazz. Documentary or, or scripted feature. For I, sure. Yeah, jazz, I think, I, I feel like you were being very kind uh, in your in your discussion of the documentary branch, which is usually, you, <laughs> they're, they're, usually, they're usually the first to throw some kind of Molotov cocktail into the, into the mix and get everybody all riled up and upset. I mean, I guess with that this morning, riding with fire, right? Because did many people have that in their predictions? I'm not. Sure, right? I don't think I saw that show up, and that's that's the Molotov cocktail that they threw in this morning. Well, in the rescue missing, uh, that was yeah. a big shocker because it that seemed like kind of the natural, maybe more populist film that steps in and wins. Like when um, you know you have something like Free Solo or Icarus, when the presumed front runner misses, you have one of those that's a big accessible crowd pleaser. So I was I was pretty shocked that the rescue team missed out. So I guess that was kind of the Molotov cocktail, even if it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the big critic front runner, but it was definitely a front runner. Yeah. Well, uh, let's dive in and, and talk about uh, the categories that are near and dear to the hearts of the the Dolby podcast, uh, best sound and cinematography. Let's let's start with the uh, best sound. So I'm going to I got my list up here and I'm just going to read out. So what we found out this morning, the nominees uh, for best sound are Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and finally, West Side Story. So uh, first reactions to that list? Uh, any surprises? What are, you, what, are you, uh, what are you guys' responses to it? So that was pretty much um, give or take what I thought we were going to get. Uh, you know, it tr tracked both the BAFTA and CAS lists pretty closely. My one concern was, as I understand it, the Bake Off this year, uh, the sound Bake Off, they didn't have reels of the sound. They had a single scene. And so I was concerned that voting being based on those, those clips wasn't going to favor Power of the Dog, even with the CAS nomination. And I, as I understand it, they picked the banjo piano scene, which is, is a great scene. Of course they did. It's the iconic sound moment from the from the yeah. film, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But it's also only a two-minute scene. And so, you know, that's uh, a lot of the other films at eight-minute clips. I think that format also benefited Belfast because it missed the CAS, but it opened with, you know, they use the opening scene where the riot breaks out. And that's a really just explosive sound moment. So even if you hadn't seen all of Belfast, if you saw that in a screening, you'd probably be like, oh, man, that's. Um, but yeah, so I, if there was anything that surprised me, I guess it was power overcoming what I thought might have been a bit of a handicap there. And that's really a testament to just what a great day that that film had across the board. You know, it also got production design, despite missing all the precursors, you know, it got into editing. So yeah, that that was the only slight surprise for me. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, I thought, I think in terms of sound, like my alternate would have been A Quiet Place 2, which, you know, if we go back to A Quiet Place, the first one, you know, that landed so well. Um, and I was like, yeah, Power of the Dog, I'm not quite sure because, you know, you can go through the guilds and, you know, all the other things. I'm like, I don't know. But like to Will's point, you know, it scored, what, 11 nominations this morning? Or, I mean, it it did so well. And it's, yeah, I guess it's no, it's no surprise. And, you know, in the end, if you look at 
it got cinematography, it got writing, it got editing, it, it landed everywhere it needed to land. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I mostly agree. These are these are sort of largely where I thought it would go. I did think, uh, you know, as Jazz said, Quiet Place Two struck me as one. Of, it's such a it's such a sound movie and a sound franchise, and that sort of the soundscape determines so much of the tension, and it's how they sort of build the horror element. So I thought maybe that would get in there. And then I did also think Tick Tick Boom had maybe a chance just because of how its sort of meta approach to the musical adds a layer you know, on top of that, like obviously West Side Story as well as blending, uh, you know, working in that that world of sort of there's action, there's musical segments, but Tick Tick Boom's doing it, you know, switching off in such an interesting way, going from this sort of realistic world of Andrew Garfield's life to the larger than life song sequences. I thought that maybe was going to slip in there. And that might've been something as well with the individual scene that you can't show as much off of like the variety of techniques that they're doing throughout the film because you had to just show you know, one segment, but, um, but yeah, I, I think a lot of, a lot of sort of what we mostly would expect. Yeah. I, so I just want to explain for our audience who may not uh, understand a little bit of the insider, uh, insider baseball. So uh, obviously this, the sound category has had a tumultuous couple of years with a lot of changes. Uh, up until last year, it used to be two separate Academy Awards, one for best sound editing and one for best sound mixing. Last year that got combined, uh, into the best sound category. Um, and then uh, on top of all that, this thing that we're talking about, the Bake Off, is a really interesting kind of throwback phenomenon. I don't remember off the top of my head when the last Bake Off was, but it's been a good- 2005. Okay, so it's been 15, 16 years <laughs> or 17 years since the last one. Thank you, Will. You, were, you have an encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge about this stuff. Um, yeah, that's crazy. And I, uh, were any of you actually at the Bake Off this year for sound? I went to VFX. I didn't make it to sound. Yeah, I didn't make it to sound either. I've, I, I used to go, uh, I've been to many of the, the ones in the past. It was always really kind of a nice night because it was really rare for the sound community to actually get together and see each other and, and celebrate the work. And then everybody, of course, at the end would walk down the street to Cape Mantellini's and have several cocktails. And it was just sort of a big, a big party atmosphere, which obviously was missing this year. But they did bring the tradition of the Bake Off back. And, uh, you know, what, what you guys were talking about was, uh, so the, the way the Bake Off worked was, um, each of the films that were on the long list got to present, um, a sequence. Uh, and in the past, it was an eight minute, um, sequence that the, the sound artists would cut together. So they, but the rule was they had to actually take a 35 millimeter release print of the film and physically cut the print up and and present that and the and the reason why that was was because they didn't want anybody doing any shenanigans and changing the mix you know by like taking the music out in order to focus to feature the sound effects so uh but this year it was very different in terms of they had to pick like one continuous eight minute sequence from the film and i agree with you guys i actually suspected that that might hurt a film like the power of the dog because there's really no sort of kind of you know, big showcase sound moment in the film. And I, I, I wasn't there, so I don't, I don't even know what sequence they, they featured. I, I think, you know, we'll, it was the banjo piano sequence. Yeah. Fair enough. Which is as close as you're going to get to sort of like the, the, the iconic sound moment from that film. But, um, um, yeah, I'm sure it was a, it was a, a an interesting night to be in the room. Now, uh, and another interesting twist on it was previously when the bake offs happened, 
only the people that were in the room that night at the Goldwyn Theater at the Academy then voted on the movies that would become the nominees. So that was not the case this year. Um, it, it still went out to the to the to the branch, and, and everybody got to to vote on it. So, so um, before we uh, before we move on to that, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put you guys on the spot. Predictions for who's gonna walk away with the Academy Award for Best Sound this year? Oh, Dune, not even close. I think. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very inclined to go. Like, no time to die. I wouldn't be shocked, uh, but I think Dune is probably the way. Yeah, always a chance with us lay people that you're going to get like most sound is going to win instead of for sure. Best but sound. Dune has <laughs> also has most sound. Right. It you really does. does. In this case, yeah. Dune really does have most sound. Yeah. It's wall to wall sound and score and yeah. yeah. Uh, before we move on to uh, you, uh, uh, jazz, you mentioned score. Any initial thoughts on the? Uh, the best uh, original music category. What do you think is gonna is gonna walk away this year? In score, I think Dune again, <laughs> Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Sorry to go there. I mean, I'll start with score. It's a great category because you've got Nicholas Brattel nominated. You've got Jermaine Franco. Um, you know, you've got Johnny Greenwood for Power of the Dog. So that's a great category. But I I think Hans Zimmer is going to 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 run away with score um and then with song i mean again in kanto everybody's talking about bruno that song is so viral and dos Rodriguez is the is the song that disney put forward for that film but um you know if lynn wins there he gets his ego finally gets um, his ego if he wins right i think he's been chasing it for like Five years, I think. Let's be honest. Let's know. be honest. He's been chasing it since he was a little boy. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the surprise is Diane Warren getting in. Like Diane oh Warren, God. the power of Diane Warren knocking out Beyonce, Jay Z, not Beyonce, sorry, Jay Z, um, Kid Cudi, Ariana Grande. Like that's what she. That's what she did. Thirteenth nomination. Uh, that was a pleasant surprise, and Beyonce getting in. For, for be alive so and van morrison too so if the song was interesting if they can get all those folks to perform at the oscars it might be a hell of a show in fact it's, it's, I, w- w- let's jump ahead because i want to I, I wanted to ask you guys like what can be done to reinvigorate this 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 oscar ceremony of course we're as as everyone is aware the ratings have been on a steady kind of a, a steady challenge uh <laughs> trajectory for the past few years uh, what do you think? Like, I mean, obviously, if they got all those folks to perform at the Oscars, that could be that could be huge. Well, I think part of it is that they're they do need to, in extent, accept that people just don't tune in to watch award shows the way they used to. You're going to be able to watch the highlights online the next day, and uh, you know, in- increasingly, just by virtue, honestly, of a lot of what is even getting released. Um, there's going to be a divide between what is selected as award worthy and films that the general audiences in middle America care about. And I, I think to an extent, Ampus just needs to be okay with that. I know they're terrified of ABC, you know, and losing all the ad revenue and all that. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. But there's only so much they can do ultimately, I think without compromising the integrity of the show with something, you know, with like when they tried to add best popular film. And even then, I don't think that would work. Um, so I think they need to focus mainly on just making it a good show 
for the audiences they have, you know, so don't do what they've talked about before. Don't present certain categories during commercial breaks, uh, bring back the clips. I think for rent people who haven't seen all the movies, um, it, it helps for them to see, you know, even just a, a one minute segment from each performance. So in their own mind, they can kind of think of this is who deserves it. This is who is going to win. I think that was something that was really missing last year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it will help having some of the performers like Beyonce there this year and Billie Eilish. But um, yeah, I think more most importantly, they just need to focus on making a good show for the quintessential Oscars audiences because ultimately, you know, the a lot of Gen Z and the random middle America just doesn't care and won't care no matter what they do. I sense a little fatalism in that, Will. Is it is basically just the sense of like we're never going to see those whatever the the watershed year, the Titanic year. We're never going to see fifty million people watching the Oscars anymore, and we shouldn't even try for that. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think I think the film industry has changed. I think you know what general audiences go to theaters to see has changed. I think what studios of greenlit has changed, and the way we consume shows and media has changed. I mean, like. You had to watch it on ABC on air at the time, the year Titanic was there. And that's just not the case anymore. You know, and I think I think that is a yeah. big factor. I think it's it, it's as much to do with, with movies themselves as it is the TV and how people watch it. it it's just I, I think I look at something like King Richard and in, and in past years that would have gotten all these nominations on the back of being a crowd pleaser. That was the sort of movie that you would see audiences flocking to in like the 90s, a huge star. It's a biopic of a famous person. It's this inspirational, heartwarming. It, you could take the whole family. I mean, like that's the kind of movie that with that movie not attracting huge audiences and getting all that attention, like that's the kind of movie the Oscars were always sort of built around people who were rooting for King Richard and wanted to see that kind of movie win. So I think that, yeah, like if you can't sell a movie like that to a mainstream crowd, you're never going to sell the Oscars to a mainstream crowd. It's like one tails the other. So I, I do sort of agree that I think that, We've just we've just sort of downsized the amount, the size of the audience that is really invested in movies enough to care about awards as opposed to being invested enough in Marvel or Star Wars or a brand or something. Uh, so I, I don't really know what the Oscars as a show can do about that. I also think they should bring back because I know they did it last year where they brought, you know, they had original song performed outside of the main ceremony. It was like, bring that back in, especially this year when you've got you know, the nominees like Billie Eilish and Beyonce who will appeal to, you know, not just film Twitter or Oscar watchers. Um, maybe like an explainer or like show the sound, you know, show a clip of like editing. Let like, you know, your layman understand what editing, what sound mixing, what sound editing is like and have somebody fun present that. Um, I think just, yeah, I, and also like, the the hosts right like you need somebody that you know whatever everybody's watching right now it's like who's hosting like find a host that's accessible um but then also at the same having said that it's like you know this is your this is our this is the audience there are oscar watchers who really care about it cater to that audience you know let's talk about cinematography uh greg fraser for dune Dan Lauston for Nightmare Alley, Ari Wegner for The Power of the Dog, Bruno Delmanel for The Tragedy of Macbeth, and uh, Janusz Kaminski for West Side Story. Um, 
first reactions, thoughts about these uh, nominees and these and these movies? It's, I think it's a stunning year for cinematography. Like, yeah, all these films just mm-hmm. are iconic movies for me. Brutal, brutal miss for West Side. I think, or no, sorry, for Belfast. I think Belfast missing editing and cinematography today is what I needed to see to convince me that it is not going to challenge Power the Dog for Best Picture. Because, you know, we've always known the branch and the Academy at large like black and white. And Belfast got in with the American Society of Cinematographers. It was perceived as and the best And Janusz did not, right? right. Mm-hmm. That, so that, that yeah. was the switch in, yeah. the, in, that, in, that, uh, mm-hmm. in that category, right? Yeah. For West Side Story, yeah. And he, uh, Janusz also missed BAFTA. Uh, so, you know, th- this was a good come from behind for him, but he's also Janusz Kaminski, you know, he's, he's a living legend. So, but, um, yeah, I, my big takeaway was, I think that's a wrap on best pick, uh, Belfast chances. I love seeing Dan Lauston make it. I thought that might be a ASC special, but, uh, that, that is a just gorgeous looking film. Del Toro and Lauston really know how to move a camera and the colors are so rich in that. So. Uh, I was very happy to see that get in. And obviously Ari Wagner, that's, you know, that's a historic nomination. And if she pulls out the win over Grig Frazier for Dune, she'd be the first woman ever to win for best cinematography. So that would be very cool. I think I'm with you a hundred percent. Like, you know, I was hoping to see Belfast in here and Belfast in editing, but, um, you know, Nightmare Alley is, has such incredible cinematography. Likewise, Tragedy and Macbeth, you know, like it's one of the things, like the way, uh, you know, Bruno plays with light and shadow in that movie. Gosh, he, you know, it's it's incredible. But um, yeah, the switch, the switch for uh, Yanush getting in here and missing ASC was fascinating. I mean, who's going to win? I still think Greg. If I were to call it, Greg could win, but I don't know. I, this one, this this one's a tough one to predict. I mean, for me, yeah, it's yeah. tough to call. Yeah, I still feel like Dune probably pulls this one out. But I, I'm, my, my thought on the black and white thing too was: it, is it possible that uh, Tragedy and Macbeth and Belfast split the hardcore black and white cinematography mm. fans? Like there were two <laughs> very prominent, very you know beautiful and starkly starkly different approaches to black and white cinematography. Uh, this year to choose from uh, that would probably if I was going to pick my personal pick I'd probably go with Del Bonnell for uh, Macbeth gorgeous I, I, gorgeous work incredible yeah. and and you can't like it, as great as the performances that there's so much going on in that movie you can't you, I, like at times I found I was almost not even paying attention to the Shakespeare because I was just soaking in this this imagery uh, that Joel Cohen and, and Del Bonnell put together but I do think dude is probably probably the winner unless there's a power of the dog sweep happening which i think it's possible like it's up in enough categories where we could just see power of the dog kind of run away with it and and get a lot of wins yeah i was starting to wonder that like what if it pulls you know the kind of thing that we saw in the 80s and 90s all the time just yeah. it's the same movie big, just powers yeah. through all the below the line uh-huh. categories yeah, yeah. It, uh-huh. it's the only movie this year that i feel like has that juggernaut potential to just take over in every category it's been a while we're overdue that, right? Like, what yeah. was the last Slumdog? one to... Was pretty Slumdog? Yeah, probably Slumdog. Yeah. Wow, it's been a long yeah. time then. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Um, any movies that uh, uh, kind of uh, got 
you maybe didn't didn't make either the BAFTA or the ASC that 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 uh, you would have loved to have seen get featured in this category. The black and white work in passing, I thought, was also really good, and how they used that to really enhance the storytelling. I thought that was excellent work, and um, well, too, also the green I, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. One hundred percent. We're a little, we're a little partial to that because Passing was uh, uh, Rebecca Hall won the Dolby Institute Fellowship uh, with Passing mm. last year, so <laughs> so we we supported her uh, uh, finishing that movie in Dolby Vision and mixing it in Dolby Atmos. And I, I think to your point, that's actually a movie that would not have worked if it right. weren't in black and white. Um, and and it's what what an amazing year for black and white photography between come on come on and passing yeah I think it's and and also uh, quite frankly uh, if you haven't had a chance to see the black and white uh, Dolby Vision pass of Nightmare Alley it's stunning so quite quite the year for black and white cinematography for sure oh yeah and French Dispatch yeah. half of that was black and white as well yeah you know. Robert Yeoman's work in that is gorgeous. Uh, I was just going to say, one that, that did get in for the ASC Awards that did not get uh, in for the Oscar that I was a little disappointed was uh, was Pig. Uh, I, I really like Pat Scola's work in Pig. I thought Nicolas Cage kind of ran away with all the heat from that movie. Deservedly so. It's a brilliant performance. But it is also an incredible looking movie. And the way the distinctions between when the, the you know, sort of the opening, when you're in nature in the woods and then the starkness of the, the city cinematography was, I thought really beautifully done. Very subtle. Well, I, I think you all agreed that Dune is probably the winner, but I'll, I'll again, I'll, I'll come at this from a slightly different direction. If, if you had a sixth slot that you could designate mm. for a cinematography nominee uh, and it's just yours and you get to pick, I'll ask you the same question for sound, but, but uh, uh, what, what, what would it be? Lon, would it would yours be pig? Yeah, I think I would. I would probably go pig on this one. I did also. I I don't know. Like I wrote a little bit, a little thing about uh, Zola. Also, I thought for directing or for cinematography and editing was overlooked, even though both were really well done. Uh, and and you know the the kind of work that doesn't often get recognized. And that's but yeah, I think my six slot. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think my six slot would would uh, would probably be pig. I didn't love the film as a whole as much as some people, but the Green Knight is gorgeous to look at mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah. every image in that is so just rich so uh i might say that this is a number six that's a great choice my yeah yeah i think my number six would be robbie ryan for come on come on mm -hmm. i really love that movie. Great movie. Just, yeah. just fantastic beautiful just beautifully shot um and just how he framed that dynamic between joaquin and joaquin phoenix and woody norman that's great. I'll ask you the same. I'll ask you the same question about sound. If you got a, a sixth slot that you could pick, uh, and and one more nominee to go in there, what would you what would you lean towards? I'm gonna be out of the box a little bit, and uh, I'm gonna say there's a film called The Killing of Two Lovers that came out last year, and I I that movie really gets under your skin the way you watch it. Um, I, I was so glad, you know, Neon scraped together a little money to put out a few FYC ads. Uh, the the sound editor for that, a guy named Peter Albertson, is just incredible. And he keeps doing all these docs. He did the one about the, the lost Leonardo this past year. And that new one at Sundance um, about the Brazilian rainforest. But yeah, that's a movie that will make you have a panic attack just to listen to it. It is just designed to get under your skin. It's just really, really creative sound design. So probably that. I, you know, I'll, I'll, will I'll echo that. And just uh, uh, for our listeners, if you're interested in this, 
uh, go back uh, six months or so ago, we did a, a Dolby and Soup podcast with Robert Machoyan, who is the writer, director, and editor of the, of, uh, the Killing of Two Lovers with Peter Albrechts. And we talked about the sound in detail, but you're right. It's a, it's a, and th- th- that's one of the, you know, I-, I love talking about movies like that. It's a low budget, I mean, a micro budget indie movie that has fantastic use of sound as a storytelling device. And I, f- I feel like most filmmakers and, and most audiences think of like great sound as like big budget studio movies. Uh, but that that's a great example of a really micro budget movie that has just impeccable use of sound. Jazz, what about you? Um, I would have to go back to what I was saying earlier, A Quiet Place 2. I think what they did with that sound, they terrified the crap out of you. It was one of the first, it was one of the last movies I saw before you know, going back to March 2020, and it was one of the first films I saw, like, you know, as we started going back to the to movie theaters and just that experience of nobody wanting to make a sound because they thought a monster, like, you know, one of the monsters would jump out and attack them. Like, just being, observing that was just quite the movie-going experience and... Nobody wanted to like touch their popcorn, even though everybody had it. Or like, you don't get the slurping of the drinks too. And I've said this before. It's like that to me deserves that six slot. Well said, Lon. What about you? Yeah, I, I I love the idea of I love the idea of putting horror films like Quiet Place Two in this category, like because horror is one of those genres where you're really leaning on sound as like a you know that's one of the key tools in your toolbox for like that mounting tension. So I would say there were a few others uh, in the Earth. Ben Wheatley's uh, sort of psychedelic woodsy horror film from early this year had incredible sound, and I would also say. Uh, a much maligned movie in some corners, but James Wan's Malignant, I would also highlight as a movie that had really terrific use of sound to just, you know, add to this sort of crazy chaotic atmosphere of the rest of the movie. Uh, so yeah, those are one of those. Quiet Place or one of those two gets my six. Well said, well said. Well, I think, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I feel like Jane Campion and the power of the dog had a really, really good morning. Uh, it's, it's, it feels like there's, they've got a lot of momentum heading into the, into the home stretch here. What do you guys, what do you guys think about, uh, is it likely that, uh, that Jane's going to run off with everything? You know, I, um, for the longest time, I was skeptical about if that film could close the deal because it's, it's an incredible film. It's one of my favorites of the years, but it's very slowly paced. And it's one of those things where, yeah, this may come back to a changing academy. Traditionally, I've kind of looked at, um, would my grandparents like it? And for a long time, that was a good barometer, but that may not be the case anymore because I don't know that that film is going to play as much to some of the old meat and potatoes voters, but I don't think it's going to matter. Um, so yeah, I, I think we still need to see who wins the PGA. You know, that is the only other group that votes on a preferential ballot like the Academy. So maybe something like King Richard benefits from that system. But certainly uh, Belfast just kept kept taking L's today. So I don't think it's going to be that. And Licorice Pizza and Coda didn't have the kinds of days that they needed to to really suggest that they're going to be threats. So barring a PGA surprise, yeah, I think... Campion is taking home picture, director, adapted screenplay. And, uh, you know, that film might even go bigger and take home an acting nomination or two. So, yeah, it's it's looking very, very good for Netflix. 
Well, and well, to your, I mean, to your point, I think, you know, even pre-pandemic, I, 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 Netflix has been trying to get that, to bring home that big Oscar gold for, for a while. And I think pre-pandemic, it, you know, there was, the, the politics weren't there, but I, I don't sense that that's the case anymore. I don't know. I may be wrong. I feel the politics has slipped away, especially now in this time of, you know, the pandemic where we've been, you know, relying on streaming services to, to get access to entertainment. Um, but yeah, I think I'm with Will. I mean, it could run away or I feel like Jane Campion's definitely going to get, take home that director and yeah, watch, watch PGA and see who they pick. Um, I think, you know, if anything, yeah, Power of the Dog came out way ahead this morning. Now everybody else is to rethink. It's back to the drawing board, right? Like Netflix is in such a good place right now with that movie and everybody else is like, now what Now what do we do? How do we campaign? He who campaigns best will be. So the next seven, we're in this for seven weeks. So the next seven weeks oh, will God. be a very interesting. It feels, it feels <laughs> we've got, it's longer this year, isn't it? We've, I feel like we've got at least oh, an extra yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. the seven weeks yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, long, last year was April, way. but I mean, yeah, this is this other than last year, which was a weird year with an extended release schedule. This will be the latest the Oscars were, I think, since certainly this century. I think you have to go back to the 80s or 90s for when it was this late into March. Sometimes the nominees come out and it feels like it's kind of a it's anybody's game. It's sort of an open field. Uh, and then sometimes I think the nominees come out and it feels like there is a consensus pick is starting to form. And this to me feels like one of the consensus years where it's like, it feels like Power of the Dog is in a very strong position to take the top few categories and maybe even go on a deep run. So I, I totally agree with what everyone's saying. But there's a lot of campaigning that can happen in the next few weeks for but sure. Hey, mm -hmm. it's eight weeks yeah. and literally anything can happen in yeah. eight weeks. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. And also, you know, the, uh, the PGA got delayed too. So, I mean, I think usually it will be interesting because it could be a situation where Netflix gets complacent because things have gone swimmingly and then the PGA gets announces and maybe it's something else. And unfortunately, that'll be, I think, like less than a week before Oscar voting starts now because it's delayed. So if that were to happen and you would need to get a different strategy, there's nothing you could do. So uh, that's going to be a wild card because usually PGA is already announced before or at least almost immediately after nominations come out. So that's going to be interesting. So um, before I let you guys go, um, I, I, I want your picks. Uh, if you were picking the Oscar, you, you brought it up earlier. If you were picking the Oscar host, who, who would you pick? Wow. I mean, right now I would go for Tracy Ellis Ross and Leslie Jordan. <laughs> I mean, after their triumph I'd this morning, them, reading out the nomination. I'd love to see them do it for another four hours or however long our ceremony is going to be this year. Um, yeah, that's my pick. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, I've already thrown out the Muppets, who I think for sure get get the Henson Company folks on the on the horn. I do think uh, there was there was some discussion about well, since Spider Man is not scoring the nominations that people host, maybe get you know Zendaya and Tom Holland out there, and that would be a good way to bring in the the kids and get people excited. I, I I'm down for that. I think that sounds good. I, I if that if that's going to get more people watching and open up the tent a little bit. 
I'm all for it. Let's do it. I'm skeptical about whether that's going to get the kids to tune in, but, uh, but yeah, it, it I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily <laughs> think so either, but Hey, but you know what? We're, we're, we're desperate. Let's try anything at this point. Fair enough. Will, what's your, what's your, what's your pick? I saw somebody on Twitter mention that they should try to get the cast of only murders in the building to host. And that would be, <laughs> I feel like that would be so good. Steve Martin's done it before, you know, and then yeah. like Martin Shore would be fun. So, you know, that, that would be fun if that happened. Fair enough. All right, Jazz, Will, Lon, thank you so much for taking the time today to share with us your thoughts about uh, Oscars and about our favorite categories, sound and cinematography. Really appreciate you uh, joining the show today. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Well, many thanks once again to Jazz, Will, and Lon for joining us today for a really fun conversation uh, about the Academy Award nominees in the Best Sound and Best Cinematography categories, as well as a kind of an existential conversation about the Oscars themselves. You should follow each one of them on Twitter. Uh, they uh, just have so many great insights about film in general. And so you can find links to all their accounts in our show notes. I'd also like to thank in advance all the Oscar nominees who will be joining us in the coming weeks to celebrate their nominations and to talk about the fine work and all of the nominated films. So that's right. Once again, we are working to pull together interviews from each of the, of the, the nominees and uh, the best sound and best cinematography categories to pull together into one single episode, uh, focusing on uh, all the great work done, uh, done this year uh, so that you can help have a more informed Oscar ballot to fill out. So whether you're an Academy voter or somebody who just wants to do better in the, uh, in the annual office pool, please join us for the next few episodes of the Dolby Institute podcast. You can find us as always, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, just by searching for Dolby or by clicking the link in our show notes. Until then, thanks again for joining us. This is Sound and Image Lab brought to you by the Dolby Institute. I'm your host, Glenn Kaiser. Our producer and editor is Michael Coleman. Our executive producers are Amanda Schneider and Jack Ferry with production support by Taylor Hines. And our production coordinator is Sunny Chen. Thank you for listening. <laughs>